Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. You know, let me just say this real quick before I get started. When we do greeting times and things like that, they're not just like throwaway moments. You realize that? They're very intentional moments because here's the deal. Uh, coming to church, going to church is very scary. Going to a new place is, is very hard, okay? And so we want to make sure as a church that we are overly generous and overly friendly with the people. That's why we do coffee. That's why we do our tailgate breakfast. That's why we encourage you to stick around and meet someone today. So make sure you do that. I want you to look around today, find something you don't know, and say hello to them. That's your goal. That's your mission. That's the one takeaway. Forget my message. I'm just kidding. Don't forget my message. Um, so I want you to forgive me for the next uh, few minutes as I tell a story because I'm going to actually brag on one of my kids. Is that okay? Okay. Uh, and I know that if you were up here, you would do the same thing. So actually that was my daughter up there playing, uh, the keyboard. Um, now let me just say this. Being a parent is hard. Yep. It's, it's the hardest thing that I've ever done. I'll say that. Um, but there are the moments and such, you know, such the blessings of being a parent as well. So Amarilla, that's her name. I know it's weird. She hates us for that. But uh, you could just call her Mary if you'd like. So Amarilla has been that type A personality right from the start. Coming out of the womb, this girl's eyes were wide open. She's stretching her arms out. She was loud and crying. I mean, you knew right from second number one that there was something different about that girl. Gregarious, type A, chatty. And you're like, that, that's Amarillo? I don't know that, Amarillo. Something happened later on in life. We'll maybe get to that part. Um... But that's what she, she always was this like high energy uh, person. You know, so like parents, some of you will feel me on this. Like you're just trying to go grocery shopping and you like to keep in your own world and do your own thing. But then you have the kid who talks to everybody and puts their arm out and is like all happy, which just put us in really awkward conversations all the time which we didn't want to be a part of, um, but that was, again, that was her. She also, pretty much everything that she does, she, she does well. Um, it, she, that's just, she kind of picks something up, she puts her mind do it, to it, and she can do it. She, she decided to start reading very early. I want to say like three years old, she was literally reading like chapter books. I'm not even kidding you on that. Um, she has taught herself, uh, she's had music lessons along the way, but she's taught herself the keyboard, the ukulele, um, I don't even know, like just tons of stuff. She could do that. She's always been able to do that. Um, she's a great photographer, videographer. A lot of times you'll see her like filming on the stage here. She, she loves that kind of thing. Uh, she's a very creative, uh, person, um, Here's the other thing about her. She could carry on conversations with pretty much anybody. If you can get her to talk. So something, something changed in junior high. All right? Yeah. Feel me on that? Like, like, seriously, like, I don't know what happened to her personality. It's still in there if you could unlock it. But, 
but she, um, but she can have a conversation with about pretty much anything. Uh, and even she, she understands the psychology of a situation. She, she understands like the dynamics going on in a room. And sometimes it's funny because we can joke about that together because that's kind of something I'm perceptive about. And so we say, hey, you pick that up. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they're feeling this way or whatever. So she seems to understand people on a level that, again, a, a high school junior that I've seen might not always understand. Um, so I'm clearly, clearly I'm going on and on. I'm proud of my daughter. Um, I am not saying she's perfect, far, far from that, uh, but she's always been a high-capacity person with a lot of skills to boot. And so, so here's where I'm going with this. So I remember as a kid, uh, let's just say, I'm mean, just this hypothetical situation, let's just say like we were at a playground. And, you know, the parent in you is watching kind of what's happening and, you know, maybe parents are over on one side and they're chatting and maybe some aren't as observant, but I'm always like checking out what's going on. And maybe there's that kid on the playground who's being picked on or who's being bullied in some sense. Or I just hear kind of talking that's just not, just not good or just not helpful. And so what I would do is I would call to my daughter like, Marilla, come here, come here. What's, what's going on over there? And she would tell me pretty much what I saw. And I, and I would say to her, now I want you to go, and I want you to do the right thing. Stand up for that person. You go, and you be the leader there. You go, and you change the conversation. You understand what's going on. You see what's happening. I expect that of you. Because you know what's right, and you know what's wrong, and you're seeing how this isn't working out. My expectation is for you to go and to do something about that. Now, there have been times also, as she's gotten older, uh, that she's been, you know, asked to participate in something, whether that be music or dance or, or whatever that might be, and she gets hesitant. Oh, and by the way, let me say this. I completely ran this by her before I talked about her, so... It's okay. She said it was okay. She's okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, there'd be kind of times where she's been asked to do something, and she's kind of hesitated, and I, I get that. But then the conversation, the parent conversation coming out of that is, Amarla, you've been given this thing. You've been given this talent. You've been given this gift. Do something with it. Make sure you're taking that and making the best out of that, that you're serving others well with all that God has given to you. That's my expectation for my daughter, for my son. So what's funny about this is my parents used to do the same thing for me. These kind of conversations I distinctly remember as a kid. And you know it's often true. What goes around comes around. And my mom would always quote this verse to me. We find it in Luke chapter 12, verse 48. And it's going to be on your screen. And it says this. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. We are in the series called Verses That Shaped Me. And this is one of the verses that shaped my life. 
When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. And here is my question that I want to start out today with as I speak. It's for all of you. What are you doing with the things God has given you? What are you doing with the things God has given you? And you say, well, Tom, hey, listen, I really, I don't have much to give. I really don't have much to offer. I don't really see, you know, and I'm going to stop you right there. And I'm going to say a couple things really quickly. First, you probably have much more, and you've been given much more than you actually realize. And the second thing I will say is it doesn't matter what you've been given. It's what we do with whatever we've been given. So my question remains, what are you doing with the things that God has given you? Go back to my story for a little bit. So as a young kid, um, I knew God had given me several maybe abilities or gifts or talents. He, he gives them to everybody in different ways. Um, for me, you know, sports was a big thing. Uh, for me, I, I tended to be fairly athletic. Um, I wish I still were that way, but I was growing up. I was fairly musically inclined um, from a pretty young age, which is maybe where my daughter gets a little bit of that. Um, I was aware that God had given me a mind that worked in a very specific and unique way. Not anything wonderful, just I'm saying everybody has this little different way they think and, and, and talk and, and feel and whatever. So I, I realized that. Um, I realized at a fairly early age that I had a unique home environment, I think. Uh, that, that the way I was raised um, and my, my parents being available, um, uh, encouraging, supportive, uh, that was a unique uh, environment, I think. Um, I came to realize also uh, a, a, this, at a fairly young age, this, this love and appreciation for, for the grace of God in my life. And that would only just continue to increase as it has with so many of you. As you got older, you look back and you say, oh my goodness, God been so, you know, graceful and faithful to me. I think I was aware of that. And so my mom would see this as well, especially, my, my dad too, but my mom would see this as well, and she would quote this verse to me always as an encouragement. You're given much, much is required. But here's the other thing too that I, I've been realizing, just even as I've been preparing this, I think it was also a warning. You can look at this verse and you can be really encouraged with it, but it's also a warning built into that. You see, here's, here's now I didn't ask her this, uh, so if it's her second favorite or third favorite, just forgive me for it, but uh, one of her favorite verses and one of the things I think shaped her life was this verse in 3 John 4 that says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And I remember her quoting that and, and seeing that. So she wanted nothing more than for me and my brother and my sisters to do something, anything, with the specific things, talents, abilities, minds that God had given to us. 
We weren't made to feel pressure about anything specific, but she saw what was in her child, and she expected that. My parents were trying to help create in all of us a perspective shift. And I've talked about this quite a bit. See, as a Christian, our perspective should be shifting always. Here are some of the perspective shifts I think my parents were going for. Um, you need to take your perspective from you and yours to God and others. From me and mine to God and to others. Or from taking and keeping, and this was something that I really struggled with for a while, to giving back. Or from selfishness to purpose. And you say, well, how does that work together? Because sometimes I think we can get so selfish and proud in our own things that we forget about the higher purpose that God wants to take that for. Or from my agenda to his agenda. I could go on and on, but here's the deal. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. And so here's... Again, let me break down this question. Question number one for all of you. If you're taking notes, write this down. What has God given you? Start thinking about it right now. What has God given you? What talents? Let's start with there. What talents do you have? You don't have to tell me. Just start thinking about it. Maybe, do you have a musical instrument that you play? Do you play the guitar? What are you doing with that? Can you bake? We have some incredible bakers in this church. I'm not kidding you. What are you doing with that? Um, do you sew or have a passion for fashion? <laughs> what are you going to do with that then? Do you have the ability to teach? Some of you are incredible teachers. And maybe you're sitting on that. Um, do you have a desire to invest in the next generation in some way, shape, or form? Are you a writer or a blogger? How can you use that? What are you doing with that? Do you have financial resources that most others may not have? But even if you don't have that, with whatever God has given you financially, what are you doing with that? Or let me, let me change this. What's the unique thing? And this is a harder question. What's the unique thing that God has given you or has placed in your life? Is it a specialized training of some sort? Do you have a unique skill? Do you have a unique family experience that it's equipped you for some things that most people would not be equipped for? Have you been able, I don't know, to travel the world and gain an understanding of the privilege, privilege that you have and also develop this compassion for people around the world? Do you have a job? I'm not even kidding about that. Do you have a job that gives you flexibility, that allows you to do things that maybe someone who is caught in the nine to five and doesn't have that flexibility can do? And all I'm saying is, what are you going to do with what God has given to you. And second of all is, what are you doing with what you have? So what do you have, number one? And number two, what are you doing with what you have? Are you serving? Are you giving? Are you investing? Are you 
being intentional. Here's the big idea today. You could write this down. Your God deserves your all. Your God deserves your all. I want to look at a passage of scripture as I, as I flesh this out this morning. It's going to be uh, here on the screen. It's in Matthew chapter 25. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. Matthew chapter 25. We are going to read, and it's a little bit lengthy, but I, you'll see why I want to read the whole thing in just a second. You're going to see here a parable that Jesus used, that Jesus taught. And you say, well, what's a parable? I don't even know what that word means. A parable is, is a story. It's, it's probably a fictional story, but it's, it's meant as an illustration. Speakers do this all the time. Jesus was an incredibly gifted speaker, and he knew how to tell stories so that it would capture people's hearts. And that's what a parable is. He was, tell, he was using this as an illustration. Now keep in mind, and I say this a lot, when we talk about Bible stories and what's in the Bible, understand that there's cultural context, okay? We don't always understand all of the cultural context when we read it. It may not make full sense to us. I think you will see in this passage, though, the big idea with what he's saying. So let's read together Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He calls together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. So he's talking about something called the kingdom of heaven. God's will on earth as it is in heaven. The principles that God has for all of us. Okay, so he starts really honing in on, particularly for those who, who call themselves believers, and he's giving this story. All right? So he gave five bags of silver to one. This master gave two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last, and he divided it in proportion to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. And so the servant who received the, the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. You see what's happening. So, so the master goes away. They're watching over this guy's property and, and his investments and everything that he has going on. And he's saying, I'm entrusting you with this. I'll come back at some point, but make sure you steward this well. And so we have the first two people. They double what he gives them. We get to the third uh, person. Uh, um, oh, oh, verse 21 first. The master was full of praise. Well done. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me, did I skip one here? Hold on a second. Bear with me. Oh, here we go. Back. I'm going to go back. The servant with two bags of silver went and earned two more. Verse 18. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. And after a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give account of how they had used his money. And the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. 
And then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering uh, crops you didn't cultivate. And I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. And look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops and didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a crazy story that illustrates a really, really important truth. Jesus said, my kingdom, my will, on earth as it is in heaven, is of utmost importance. And everything I've given to you, I've entrusted to you to build my kingdom. And what are you doing with it? Let me tell you one more personal story from me. Uh, so I mentioned, you know, I was uh, blessed with the ability to play uh, the piano. Uh, my parents had a piano in the house, so I kind of tinkered on it as a, as a little kid. Uh, so they, they saw something there, and they wanted to get me um, piano lessons. So they did. And I remember I um, took lessons, and the teacher... Uh, I don't know, I was three or four years old. The teacher would come and they would play the song. Um, and it was simple stuff. It's like, you know, one finger kind of music. And in my brain, I was just able to hear it and play it back. It's what they call playing by ear. But I was, I was sly. I was tricky. I was a cheater. I just heard my mom say that you cheated. <laughs> I love you, mom. I did, though. I did, though, because what happened was the teacher, how she would do her lesson, and she would play the song, and she would go, this is what I want you to work on this week, right? And so I would play the song back, and I would strain my eyes, and every now and again, I would, like, hit a wrong note. So she, she thought I was really working hard to play the piano. The problem was I wasn't working hard because it was all in my brain. I could just do it. Now, years later, that caught up to me, by the way. When things get, you know, when things get really fancy, I can't do all the fancy stuff. So I kind of regret that in a little bit. But again, I was blessed with this talent. But here's what I did. I, uh, I did not let anyone know that I played the piano. For whatever reason, and again, everybody's personality is different. Part of it was shyness. I was a shy kid. You're like, yeah, right. No, I was. Part of it was maybe pride. I have something I can do. <laughs> I know this sounds so bad, but saying out loud, but it's true. Like, I have something I could do. I don't, need, I don't need to share that with anybody. I just know that I could do it. And I could judge other people, right? Um, so it was part fear, maybe, of playing out, whatever it was. So between my junior and senior years of high school, um, we went on a mission trip to a, uh, to a really far away, hard, hard place to evangelize. It was called Ohio. 
And the purpose of this mission trip, uh, they took our youth group and we were to like lead a kid's vacation Bible school for the week. And we also were to like do the service for this, you know, this small kind of country church in Ohio. Um, and uh, so as the story goes, uh, we wake up and I think we got there on a Saturday if I um, remember correctly, and so there was the church service on a Sunday morning, and as, you know, we get to the church, and they're kind of like setting up for church, just kind of like how we do, and the youth pastor comes up to me, and he goes, hey, Tom, I just found out that the piano player isn't going to be here today. We need you to play the piano, and I said, how do you even know that I play the piano, and then it occurred to me, I haven't verified this story. Someone slipped the, the word into the youth pastor's ear and said, hey, he has this gift, ability, talent. He needs to do something with that. And so conveniently, conveniently, the piano player doesn't show up. And here I am. What do I do? Talk about freaking out. Yeah. I got through it. I was a little bit angry about it, but it was what it was. But see, what ended up happening there is uh, the next time I remember really playing in front of a crowd was at my high school graduation. I did a duet with one of my friends. And what that did was it began to open up me to share what God had given me. Because you see, when my church had found out that I had done this on this mission trip to this great foreign land, they began to ask me, hey, would you play the piano sometime at church? And there I had a little bit more control. I could say, yeah, okay, I could do this, I could do this, whatever. But all I'm saying is I, I, I took what I had hid in the ground and I began to invest in what God had given to me. And here you fast forward all this time later. It led me to a perspective shift in my life. I began to start serving in the church when I would come back in college for the summer. Um, I never would have dreamt I would have worked in church world in my whole life. See, I had dug that hole, but I started to open up my heart. And I began to understand the perspective shift that needed to happen from building my kingdom to investing in God's kingdom. And I began to ask the deeper questions about the purpose behind my life, and how I fit into God's kingdom plan. Are you with me? And this is, this is what I realized. This is what I realized. Pay attention to this. God is the owner. I am the manager. And he deserves my all. Here's the perspective shift that we all need to hear today. For whatever God has given to you, God is the owner, you are the manager, and he deserves your all. It's so important, I'm going to say it one more time to be annoying. God is the owner. 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 Pastors make up words all the time. God is the owner. I am the manager, and he deserves my all. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more 
will be required. So, what has God given you? And what are you doing with it? Whatever you have, whatever you've been blessed with, whatever talent, ability, skill, unique experience, whatever it might be, we were not meant to keep it to ourselves. That is not building up the kingdom of God. We were not meant to build our own personal kingdoms out of it. It's meant to go out into the world, even places like Ohio, and change lives. We are meant to build God's kingdom, to contribute to the way of God and the purposes of God. We are the owner, owners. I almost did it again. We are the owners, not the managers. And he deserves My daughter is incredibly gifted. And by the way, so is my son. And as her dad, who sees all this potential in her to change the world, I want to continue to encourage her, just as my mom and dad's words shaped my life, that she has been given much. And because of that, much is required of her. What will she do with it? What am I going to do with what God has given to me? And what are you going to do with what God has given to you, with what he has blessed you with? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and the encouragement and the warning that we get today. Lord, it's really important, even when we come before you in prayer, that we acknowledge you as number one. You are the master. You are the owner or the onager. And God, may we manage what you've given us. May we steward what you've given us in a way that not only builds your kingdom, but, but God encourages lives and hearts. That's what we're here to do. Help us to not hide what you've given to us. Lord, help us to go out of here with a different mindset, with a perspective shift. And we do this for your honor and for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name.